Alrighty, God bless guys. Let us open up our Bibles immediately to, um, to Genesis. And we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 17, verse 15 to 19. We'll cover. So verse, uh, verse 15 of chapter 17, we're reading. Uh, so Genesis 17, 15, what God says this. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with you, uh, with him, as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. And we'll leave it there. <clears throat> so tonight marks the, um, the end of this series, this wonderful series that we've gotten to uh, study for the past several weeks. Um, and for me personally, it's just been a massive blessing upon my life. There has been lots of things that I've uh, that God has spoken to me in my life he, through this servant Abraham that we've gotten to meditate on and the ups and the downs that Abraham clearly went through. His life was a, a roller coaster. Um, you know, one day he's on top and then the next it's like, are you even the same person? You know, and, and things that God had just really been speaking upon my life. And, and I feel like God has just blessed me so much through studying Abraham's life. And I, and I trust that God has blessed you guys as well. And so this marks the last one before we, we kind of switch over to the new series um, that we're going to be starting off uh, next week or the cell groups uh, uh, change over. And before I get to the message, I wanted to share with you something of a testimony just to bring, uh, I guess, in glory to God and, and encouragement to you guys. <clears throat> As you guys know, um, we've been working towards the seminar that that um that we'll be doing next week. And it brings me so much joy to share this with you because like when this came about uh, to me, it was just like, oh God, you're so good. Um, he's just, everything is in his is in his control. Like everything is in his hands. Um, and so like, I, I don't know how you, you know, if you guys know how this came about, but essentially when we decided to do a seminar, you know, we've been tossing and turning as to uh, what, what to do. And, and the seminar came about and, we were given options, you know, like as to where we were going to do it. And then we decided on Carnes Hill and at Carnes Hill, they had a list of available dates. And for whatever reason, November the 3rd was the one that popped into our, into our hearts and, and like, all right, let's book in November the 3rd, you know? Um, and, and anyways, before I, I come back to the November the 3rd, just leading up after we've set that up and, and, and getting closer to the seminar, I've just been like scratching my head over. I'm just like, Almost getting anxiety, almost I was just like, Lord, there's just so much we need to cover when it comes to marriage and dating. Like, uh, it's, it's, 
It's a massive topic. And so I've just been like, oh God, um, I need more time with this. Like two sessions is not, or three sessions, including Josh's, is not gonna cover all this. Like God, we need more time. Um, and so anyways, uh, last Sunday, all the soul group leaders were given the, the new guide uh, as to what we're gonna be looking at after this ends. Uh, and, and that new guide rolls over immediately on the 3rd of November. And that new guide, what covers is things that we will be, what, what I wanted to expand upon. It will be looking at relationships and, and, um, and you know, the, the role of the husband, the role of the wife, the role of the family. Like, like these are things that are incorporated into the marriage life and into this dating thing that we, we're going to be covering. And, and the timing of it is just so perfect. Like it's so it's just God's sovereignty because I, I've been praying like, God, like this isn't going to be enough time. And then bang, you, we get the, the guide and it's like, I, you, you have time. So like, it's just, it prays God for that. And it lands on the third, like literally we, we wrap up our seminar that night. So groups start on this. Like it's, it's amazing. Like God's sovereignty on this. And I just wanted to start off with that. Just giving praise and glory to God that God is blessing our church. You see that God's hand is over our church and, and the youth. And it's just amazing to see that God is just blessing us in this way. You know, uh, sometimes, you know, Josh and I know like sometimes we, we butt heads, you know, cause over ourselves, not, not together. We're just like, Oh man, like, are we doing like the right thing? You know, you always second guess yourself, but then you see this and you just like see God's hand in this. And so anyways, it's just amazing to see that. I wanted to share that with you, that just that God is is blessing this and, and, and a way to motivate you as well and, and uh, motivate me as well, like inspire me, just like God, uh, I mean, I'm expecting great things for, for Saturday uh, next week. But praise God, let's get to, to the word. And what I want to cover tonight in terms of uh, this portion is essentially one thought. And it's wrapped up in, in the title that I gave this um, message. If you guys were looking at uh, Instagram, it, it's essentially this. This is all I really want to come towards. And, and it's this, that it's just not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. And so... That's really one. If if God can take my words, and and really cement that the reality of that, um, because that's all I want us to walk away with. That this is solely for the glory of God. That the reason why we are here is for His purposes. I mean, we were singing just now, like you created me, and you created me for you. Like that's. It. It in a nutshell, like we are here because you created me and you, we are here because you want us here. Like it, it's for your glory and your purpose. And we see this, the struggle here that we, we can totally relate with Abraham at this moment because sometimes we do struggle with that where we forget about that, where we think that it, we're here because, you know, for whatever we're here because we're the center of the universe sometimes we live like that where we think that everything revolves around what we want and what we need and what you know it's, it's just about me like and god becomes this uh genie like god where he's like god is here to bless me god wants to give me this it's all about like like as if we are here for god uh, oh so that god is here for us and not we for for god but that's not the reality the reality is that you're here because God wills you to be here. Yeah. You need to understand that God is sovereign, that God is the God, the most high. There's nothing beyond God. The word holy, he, when he 
when we see that word holy, it means that God is so separate beyond anything else that he's not in the same category as anything else. You can't pin him. There's no comparison with God. There's no like God and then like, oh, the archangels are kind of like God. No, it's just God. And then there's everything else. It's just God. And so let's read a verse 15 and 16. And the word of God says this, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. In last week's portion that we got to cover, we were looking at how Abraham's name uh, was significantly changed. It was changed from Abram to Abraham and um, that that name change actually plays a a very important, uh, it's it's an important element that you come across in scripture when there's a name that is changed in a person, it signifies something. And it's, in fact, it's something that, um, that we'll be, we'll be covering in Regeneration in the podcast as well in uh, part two. Um, so that's why I was like, Jared, I'm so glad you, you, you named it, you titled it the way you titled your message last week because it ties in with that. Um, but it, it plays such an important role. This, there's this massive significance um, in a name that is changed. And, and so for Sarai, um, her name changes to Sarah. Which is interesting because the word Sarai in the original Hebrew, uh, that, that, that I at the end gives this kind of like a possessive uh, description of her name, if, for lack of words, it, it, it makes it possessive. So the, word, the name Sarah or Sarai means princess. All right, so Sarai with the I at the end, it means my princess. So whenever Abraham would call his wife by her name, he was essentially saying, my princess, my princess come here. You know, my princess, you know, like he, he would say whatever, <clears throat> he would call her by her name and he'll be essentially saying my princess. It's something that's very, very sweet, very romantic when we come across and we think about that. Like uh, we had the women's conference not too long ago and, and we touched upon that, you know, like, you know, Sarai would call her Lord, you know, her husband, my Lord. And, and, and you see that Abraham was calling her my princess. You're my princess. And so it's this possessive uh, uh, adjective, I guess, for, you know, I'm not very good with my English, but I'm going to go with that. Like it, it, it makes it possessive. You are my princess. And so Sarai means my princess. And so that's what Abraham was calling her for, man, for almost, this is insane, for like almost a hundred years, he's been calling her like my princess, you're my princess. Up until this moment in time where God comes and says, that stops now. You're not going to be calling her my princess anymore. You're not going to be calling her Sarai. We're dropping that I and she's going to be Sarah. And so what happens now is that her name doesn't become uh, my princess possessive to, you know, or, or almost like property of, of, um, of Abraham. Now it's you are just plain princess. You are like almost the definite title. You are the princess through which I'm going to bless the nations from. And so we see that God takes her 
Even in this indication, just in that name change, we see that God takes her life and he gives her purpose. He changes her. He, he gives her a new direction, a new purpose in which she will now function in. You know, she's no longer going to be the princess of Abraham. You know, she no longer belongs to Abraham because for almost a hundred years, they, you know, Abraham has been boasting about, you know, Sarai is my wife. And, and we've come across portions where we're reminded that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. But, but God says, Abraham, she's not yours. She may have been the wife of Abraham, but Abraham is dead. There is no longer an Abraham. You are Abraham now. There's a change now. She is not your wife anymore. There's, there's new purpose in you. You are not the same person and the same applies for Sarai. She's no longer Sarai. I am changing your destiny. I'm changing the, the projection that your life is heading towards. Even if you have been doubting me for X amount of years, you're going to see that this is going to come through. That my promises that I, I declare to you, I will keep. And so she changes from Sarai to Sarah. And that promise that she will give birth to kings. Because essentially that's what a princess does. Like you are a princess. Your, your function is to give the king an heir. That's the, the purpose of a princess. It's saying you are a princess. That was her name. But you are the princess of Abraham. Abraham is dead. Sarai you are dead. You aren't going to have any kids. You're not living up to that name that you bear. You may be the princess of Abraham. But that's all you're going to be. You may, you may live your, the rest of your life that way. But I, there's more that I want to do for you. And, and ultimately for my purpose. We see that that was the purpose of a princess. To give Give children or an heir to, to the father, to the husband. But she wasn't giving any. And so he changes her name from Sarai into Sarah. And God, like I said, God gives her this new direction, this new purpose in life. And, and I just think upon like uh, my own personal life, like when, when God calls you and and changes you and gives you purpose when he takes you away from the life that you were once living, the, the, that, I guess that path that you were once walking in and God comes and you have this genuine encounter with God. Once you have that, you cannot remain the same. You have to change. And there's, there's this change that occurs in your life where you now begin to serve God and you serve for his purpose and his glory and his will. I remember when like, when, when, when I was growing up, I, I never ever thought, and I, I always share this with you guys because I want to make this super clear that when I was growing up, I never would have thought, had the idea that one day I would be preaching before anyone, you know, like let alone a, a group of more than one. Like it was so bad. Like when I was growing up as a kid and I got, gosh, I wish you guys would have known me or went to school with me because it doesn't do justice me telling you that I'm very shy and a timid kid. You know, even till now, this is a struggle for me because even when I was in high school, I would definitely just absolutely hate doing speeches to the point that I would not go to school. 
I'm not suggesting that. Like, please, <laughs> like the, the, the youth leader said, <clears throat> that's not what I'm saying. This is the, just how timid I was. I absolutely hated it. And if there was, a, you know, if by any chance I, I forgot that there was a speech that day and I rocked up to that class forgetting that I had a speech that day and the teacher was like, you have to do your speech, I'll be like, no, thank you. And it'll be like, no, you have to do it or you're gonna get a fail. I'll be like, give me that fail. I want that fail. I can't do public speaking. She'll be like, oh, get up and say something. Get up, something, sit back down. <laughs> Legit, like I swear, I absolutely, I could not do it. I hated it. Um, and and look, the fact that I, I'm, I'm here before you doing this, like another thing that you gotta know about me is uh, I'm, I'm, I, I don't like studying. Like it's weird. I hated studying when I was in school. I mean, hence why I I, I got top marks, guys. <laughs> so top that they were like, we're not even gonna tell you. They're just so high, right? Um, we're gonna we're not. It, it's <laughs> it's just that that good, right? And so I was just like, I can't. I, I don't like studying. I don't like public speaking. And it's like, all right. I remember someone saying like, maybe you should consider doing this. When I came to this church, it was just like, you were thrown into this and you're like, you're preaching now. Uh, what? <laughs> like when God calls you, he calls you and he changes you. And it's, it, it, it's a transformative encounter, but it's also a progressive transformation. Like the, the person that I am now is definitely not the one that I, that I once was. And it's definitely not the one that I want to be. But it's that progressive nature that God comes into your life and he changes your nature and he begins to like, who's insane enough to be like, you know what? I'm going to wake up at three in the morning because I want to study like from going to I don't want to go to school anymore. I'd rather fail to I'm waking up at 3 a.m. guys to read the word of God. I want to study. That's just God. Because that's why I'm trying to emphasize to you that if you only knew who I was beforehand, because all you see now is this guy, this, this nut that wakes up so early. But that's not who I was. And so we see that same thing that when you encounter God, and I'm sure it's the same with you guys, when you reflect upon who you guys once were, before you had that genuine encounter with God, that progressive uh, growth that you see maybe five years back, maybe 10 years back, if you've been in church most of your lives, you see that God changes you for His glory. And it's with a purpose. It's always with a purpose. It's not to exalt you and make you look prettier and better or whatever. It's for His glory. And so we see that Sarai's destiny was changed. He takes you from where you were in these slums and he places you in this place of honor. Now, I, I, I want to clarify what I mean by that. I don't mean that God's going to place you in a place of honor out in the world where, you know, we're talking about positions and God's going to elevate you. No, I'm talking about you could be the servant in the, in the house of God just cleaning toilets. But let me tell you that that position is far more greater than being, let's say, the CEO of Apple. Because your, your, your purpose or your joy or, or whatever it is that you, we, sometimes we strive to achieve something, status or whatever, and we think that we're going to uh, receive joy from doing these things. But the reality is, is you don't get joy from the position you are in. You get joy by who you serve. 
That's what you get joy in. That's where it is. Because he's the one that gives you that. Because at the end of the day, I'll give you another example. Anyone can become a doctor, but not anyone can become a cleaner in the kingdom of, of our king. Because that's selective. He doesn't just choose anyone to clean. Do you see that? Anyone can become a doctor. You can become a lawyer, whatever it is you want to do. But man, the lowest role in his kingdom is the highest honor that we could get. Serving God. And we see here that God elevates Sarai in that way. He blesses her. Someone with a dead womb who can't have children says, I'm going to make you have children. And you see the power of God in that. Amen. Let's read verse 17. It says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? It's very interesting, this verse, because it starts off in a good way. It starts off the right way. The Word of God says that he bowed his head, like he put his head down. <clears throat> Um, he, he, he put his face to the ground. Essentially, that word there, that posture, literally means in the Hebrew to worship. So he receives this change, uh, name of change, or change of name, sorry, um, from Sarai to Sarah and the promise that is given to him uh, and to Sarah as well, that they're going to bear children. And so his natural response, the word of God says, is that he fell to the ground and, and he planted his face to the ground. And, and that is a symbol of worship. And so you see straight away that Abraham worships God because of this promise that he receives. But what is interesting is that what he does after that, after he worships him, because it says that after he, he uh, bows his head in worship, he laughs. He laughs to himself. And what, why this is really interesting is because in the next chapter, a similar uh, occurrence happens with Sarah, where she too receives the good news of the, that promise that she's going to receive. And the word of God tells us that she laughs and, the God, and, and that God rebukes her because she laughed at that promise. Like God calls her out and, she, and God's like, why are you laughing, Sarah? And she, she kind of retracts. She's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not laughing. And God's like, no, no, I heard you laugh. I know you laughed. You know, like it, it, she was rebuked by God because she laughed. But here in this moment, God doesn't rebuke Abraham, which is really interesting. He doesn't rebuke, her, uh, rebuke him sorry, for his laughter, and which is really kind of like, well, why is this, there's this difference here? Or some people say um, that this is probably, it was just like a holy laughter. And so that's when all the charismatics say hallelujah and praise and start dancing in circles. And they say like, it's a holy laughter, you know, that's, it's biblical. No, I, I don't think that that's entirely what it is. I think, I think it's more along the lines of um, just the, when you receive such a good news, it's, it's kind of like hard for you to really grasp that, like really believe that entirely. Like when... <laughs> um, Going back to school, when I was uh, preparing for this, I was thinking about high school a lot for whatever reason. But I remember that when I was, and maybe you can relate in one way or another, you know, you, know, you have your own example. But when I was in high school, remember that I got a first place in an essay that I had to write. 
And I was just like, when I got the news and they gave the paper back and like I got the highest mark, I'm just like scratching my head. And the first thing that I did was just laugh. I'm just like, are you, are you sure? Like you start to question like, this can't be right. Like, I mean, did you read my paper? Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you start to, qu I feel like that's where Abraham is. When you receive something that you know is just beyond your expectation and you just can't help but have that, that chuck with that laugh where you're like, oh my gosh, are, are you serious right now? Uh, are you, like, um, yeah, I think you got that wrong person when it comes to this. This is someone, this is clearly someone else's paper. Like this is, this shouldn't be 19 out of 20, whatever the mark was. I'm bragging now guys, but like, <laughs> Uh, but whatever it was, I'm just like, oh my gosh. But anyways, that whole day, I just remember I'm laughing and I'm, and I'm just like blown away. I feel like that's what Abraham is doing here. Where he receives this, where it's just at this point where it's just beyond belief. I mean, you look at Sarah. Sarah in the next chapter, she laughs. She completely has no, no faith in that promise. It's a different laugh. She, I mean, she is now like almost 90. Uh, remember when she receives that first promise, she was 65. This is now almost like 25, like almost 25 years like, or 20 years or whatever the math is. Uh, like it's just so many years now by the time that she has this kid. It's just, it's beyond, beyond reality. Like uh, it's just, all right, she's so over. But Abraham at this point, he was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. Literally three months later, she conceives and, uh, you know, nine months later, he's there. But we see that he, he kind of chuckles at this and it's just this sense of unbelief. And honestly, like, I, I'm reminded of so many biblical examples um, when, when I think upon the laughter of Abraham. And the one that I think upon the, the, the first one that pops to my head is, is the story of Moses, where we're all familiar with the story of Moses. When God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and, and speak to the guy and tell him to let my people go. And Moses is like, bro, do you know who I am? Like, um, I stutter. I have a speech impediment. You, you want me to go talk to Pharaoh. You have like 10 million other slaves that you can pick from. And you want me to, the stuttering fool, to go and talk to Pharaoh. Like it takes me five minutes to say five words. And you want me to go talk to him. And what does God say to, to Moses? He's like, do you not know who I am? Do you not know that I am the one that created your mouth? Do you not know that I can make the impossible? Do you not know who I am? We see this all throughout scripture where God just uses those who we think we can't. And I feel like that's, that's everyone because when we begin to think upon the way God works, this is exactly how God works all throughout of scripture. Where we begin to think that, you know, God, are you crazy that you are going to use me in this capacity? Don't you know that I'm a, I'm a stuttering fool? Don't you know that I'm, 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 I'm fearful of speaking in public? Don't you know that I hate studying? Don't you know that I'm not talented as such and such? I don't have the gift or the charisma of someone else. And we're always comparing ourselves with other people and say, God, you, you can't. You can't use me because of this. And we fail to see that that's the actual very reason why God chose you to begin with. Yeah. 
Like it amazes me when I look at the story of Abraham and Sarah. Now, why does God pick Abraham and Sarah or Sarai at the time? These guys were like, he could have picked anyone. But why Abraham and Sarah? For the very reason, for the very fact that they can't have kids. It's because they can't do it. Is the reason why he wants to do it through them. It's the very reason why he wants to use Abraham because at the end of the day, it becomes about God. Because we come and we say, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's the reason why I want you because when you say I can't, they will see the God that can. It's the God who can do the impossible. And we see this all throughout all of Scripture. We're we're reminded of this. Sarah can't have a kid. She's old as, right? And she's, she, she can't, even if she was young. Abraham can't as well. He's old. He can't. And yet God says, I want to use you. When, 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 when God wanted to bring the Gentiles in, he raises up an apostle. The apostle Paul, he used to be known as Saul, the persecutor and killer of the church. You're like, you want to use him? He's the one that's been trying to kill us. Yes, that's the very reason why I want to use him. Because I want to show you that God is the one that changes a person, that it is in my power. It's not in your ability to do something. It's never in your ability. Because the moment that you think that you can, that is the very moment that you stop being used by God. Because if I thought in my upbringing at any moment or stage in my life where I thought, you know what, I'll be a good preacher, man disqualified straight away. Like the moment I think that, that I was a good enough preacher, you know what happens? It, it, it becomes about me and not about God. It becomes about both. And not about the God that I serve. Like that moment where you begin to think that. That that you can't praise God for that. Because that's when God's going to use you. You see the story of Peter. Same thing. Like (laughs) Peter man. Like Peter was all about the Jews. And he's like alright I want to use you to. To give you a message about the Gentiles that we're going to incorporate the Gentiles. And Peter was the most reluctant one about bringing in anyone other than the Jews. You look at the story of Mary. Why did God choose, uh, why did God choose Mary? Because she was a virgin. What, what do we mean by a virgin? Because she had no husband. Like I want to use you Mary because you are a virgin. You have no husband. There's no chance of anyone saying that it was Joseph. It was me. The power of the Holy Spirit conceived in you. It is all for my glory. It is all for me. I mean, you can see all throughout of Scripture, this constant reminder that it is all for His glory. And you can fit your testimony in there. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, I'm sure you didn't wake up and said, you know what? I think I'd be good at this. It's never like that. It's like, God, are you sure? 
Are you sure you want to use me? Do you not know me? God says, oh, I do know you. The problem isn't that I don't know you. The problem is that you don't know me. Yet. Praise God for that. 18 and 19. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. Um, our minds are so, so corrupted, so restricted, so, uh, I guess, just sinful, just for sure. Excuse me. And we see that in, the, in this moment in Abraham's life, where Abraham <laughs> says to him, you know, essentially, can, he talks about Ishmael. Where essentially what Abraham is doing is asking God to bless the sin that he committed. You know, like that's essentially what he's doing here. He's just like God, you know, and we do that all the time. Like we make mistakes and it's like, and we even say it, you know, we do mistakes and it's like, oh, it's God's blessing. It's like, no, you committed a sin. It's just God's being very merciful to you right now. That's what it is. Don't think that this is a blessing. This is, this is God's just being merciful to you right now. That's a difference. God isn't, he's got to bless it, but you got to see that as his, as his mercy, not as uh, God's applauding you. You did a good job, right? And I feel like that's what, what Abraham, he's in this state of mind right now where he's thinking to himself that God is going to bless him through Ishmael. I mean, if you recall the story of, of what's been going on, you know, in the latest soap opera of Abraham and Sarai, you know, you recall what happened. Like they were so down and downcast and, and depressed that they were like, they turned to each other. and was like, you know what? I got a good idea. We have Hagar. She's young. Right. And so like, why don't you have a kid with her? Uh, and so it's like, all right. You know, that sounds like a fantastic idea, wife. Um, and so he, he's like, he, he, he has a kid with Hagar and we have Ishmael, right? And so the Lord generally, like the way things run and, and even to this day, we still see this, that the, the eldest would get the inheritance. It's the eldest that would get that promise. It's the eldest. Everything will fall upon the eldest, right? And so when God tells Abraham, hey, I got a, I got a promise for you. You know, the promise I gave you X amount of years back, I'm coming, I'm delivering. It's close now. You know, Sarah's going to have a kid and I'm, and I'm going to bless him and many nations are going to come. And Abraham interprets that to me. Awesome. I believe that you're going to give me a kid. I believe that you're going to bless me and bless the nations. But that blessing is going to happen through Ishmael. You're going to give me a kid. I believe it. The, 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 you know, the, the firstborn, he, it's through him. The lineage continues with Ishmael. He's my firstborn. He's the heir of, of all that I have. All right. And that's what, where Abraham's mentality is, you know, that it's going to continue on with, with Ishmael and not, not Isaac. And to which God responds is almost, I could almost hear him get angry when he says no in that. When he says, no, Abraham, it's not about that. Ishmael is not my work. 
Ishmael is Abraham's work. That's not what I promised you. That was you. You know, like we do this all the time where we think we're going to assist God. God's taking too long. I'm going to help you out, God, because, you know, you're taking a little too long. That's you. That's Abraham and Sarai. But the child of promise doesn't come from Abraham and Sarai. It comes from Abraham, the new creation, and Sarah, my princess, not yours. Abraham, dead. Sarai, dead. We have new creatures. And it's through them that the promise will come. And they will have a child. And it's going to be Isaac. All these promises will come from Isaac. I will deliver this through Isaac. And I'm thinking upon how God continues to work in this way where we think that God is so mechanical or, or rigid or like we think we haven't figured out. Like this is the way that God works. He loves to work in this way where you think that, you know, this is how it's going to go and God just completely turns it around. I think of the story of not long after this is the story of Jacob and Esau, right? Because humanly speaking, Esau was the nice guy. Everyone loved Esau. Jacob even loved Esau, right? Esau's the, the nice guy, man. He's the hunter. He's a man's man. And, and, and uh, Jacob on the, uh, uh, sorry, Jacob, Jacob is the, the, the mother's boy. He's like the, the kind of like the, the, the needy kid that you feel sorry for, right? But, but Esau, like you think it's going to come with Esau. And God's like, no. Like humanly speaking, it makes sense. The nice one, he's going to represent God nicely. He has nice characteristics. He has a good personality. People can relate to him. And God says, no. It's not. My blessing doesn't go to Esau. It, it goes to Jacob. Because of the very reason that he is the naughty one. Because of the very reason that he is that one that, that doesn't show my qualities. Because when I'm done with him, he won't look the same. You won't recognize him. I will change him and you will see that it isn't Jacob, but now Israel. New creation. It's not in, in you or in your capabilities. No, it's, it's solely in me and you see it everywhere. I mean, you see it in the story of, of just, I mean, Israel itself, the nation. I'm going to say, how many times do you think God said, I'm going to save Israel, not because of you, but in spite of you. God it's not because of you. It's despite of you that I'm going to save you because you're not worthy to be saved. I mean, you, you have idols right now. You, you're, you're, your hands are filled with blood. You're doing all these things, but I'm still going to save you despite you. We see it in the story of, of Judah. Like the, the, that seed that we follow. If you follow the seed, we were talking about the seed in the book of, you know, um, what's it called? Genesis. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I forget what it's called. The Gospel of Genesis. Talking about the seed. If you follow that seed of promise, if you follow that seed of promise, it, it, it goes in the weirdest direction. Like instead of going to the tribe of Levi, which is the holy tribe, it goes to Judah. Like that promise. Instead of going, like when we think upon the, the king that was going to replace Saul, we, we think, all right, well, 
We're going to, to Jesse's house. We're going to get a king. And the first son pops up, masculine, looks good, chiseled, right? Like me. And he, he is like, no, this is the only part where I relate to him. Not him. <laughs> him. You mean the little scrawny kid that's like looking after sheep? He, he doesn't even, he's never fought in anything. Like he's never been in battle when you want him to lead your people. Yes. That's why I want him. Because I want you to see that it isn't about you and your capabilities. It is all about me and what I can do through you so that I can get the glory, not you. It is all about me and it's not about you. This has nothing to do with you. Again, like I'm amazed at the story of Mary. It's Mary. Why Mary? Because she's single and she has no husband and she's a virgin. That's the one I want. It's always impossible. Now God works despite our weaknesses to reveal his greatness. You know, a lot of the times it's like, I'm going to bring, and this is a wrong, God will use this. But a lot of times we we want to emphasize on our good side. We're like, I'm going to bring my talents and my gifts to the church. That that's great. And that's, that's, that's cool. But also God uses your weaknesses. Do you realize that? Because when you are weak, he's made strong. You know that. Your, your weaknesses is what God, he's like, he's magnified in it because they look at you and they're like, this guy? Did what? Yeah. But it's not because of this guy. It's because of this guy up there. The king of glory, he changed him and he gave him a new perspective, a new life. He breathed in him and he's no longer the same. And that's the thing about the gospel. When you look at the scriptures, it is all about God. It is all for his glory. That is the reason why you and I are here. And that's the reason why it's so easy to see when you look at and consider the the modern day Christianity. When you see people flock, thousands of people flock to these mega churches that preach to you and tell you that God is here for you. No, you are here for God. You know, the people flock to these churches and say, God wants to bless you. God loves you. God wants you to come just as you are. Yes, but he's, he doesn't want you to stay there. What, what can you come to him with? All you have is empty hands and a sinful heart that he has to work with. It's, it's these messages that people flock in, into. They love it because all they hear is about how great man is. It's, it's about your talents, your gifts. It's, it's about you. you know, it's this lovey-dovey message that you get. And No, it's not about you. It's about God. That's what it's about. It has nothing to do with you. You are but a vessel, a tool, if I can use, you know, modern day usage of, you know, a tool is not something you want to be. You are a tool and praise God for that. A lot of people get this, 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 
I guess, feeling of, of joy and excitement when they go and flock to these mega churches where they teach you and preach you. It's like you, you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Almost like this hippie-like feel. They twist that scripture like you are fearfully and wonderfully made as though you are so great. No, you know what the purpose of that psalm is? Is to show you how great he is. Look at how he made you. It points to the creator, not to the creation. But we twist it and we're like, look at me. I'm so cool. You did nothing. Like, it's not like you consulted God and you're like, you know, God, I would like to have these set of legs. Like, these eyes, could you do something about it? No. It all points for His glory. It's all for His glory and not ours. But that's how we are. We think that it is about us. It is not about you. It is about Him. And with this, I will end. I feel like this is how we are, this mentality that we carry with us. Where if you could, you know, if I could borrow your imagination just a little bit. We, we, we see God there painting along, right? And, and he's sitting there out in a garden and he's, he's painting this masterpiece, right? And, and he's using this old raggedy busted up paintbrush. And he's just using this, right? And by the time he's done with this masterpiece, we're like, wow. Check out that paintbrush. Like, look how great this paintbrush is. Look at it. It's, it's so busted. And look at the lines that it did on the painting. Wear that paintbrush. And we stop and think, wow, how amazing is this paintbrush? No, man. Look at the, the painting, the work that he did. Look at how great this creator God is. This is not about you. You are not the center of the universe. It is all for his glory. And that's what Abraham struggled to see. And it's the thing that we constantly struggle to do. You see that we always want to twist it and make it about ourselves. Man, if you're broken, if you're weak, if you feel incapable of doing something, praise God for that. And if God has calling you to do something, something that is way beyond your ability, praise God for that. Because it is in that where you're going to see God pick up that busted up paintbrush and do a wonderful work for his glory and not yours. They will look at that ugly brush and say, that's an ugly brush. Praise God. Like when you guys come up to me and say, great job. Like, I, I thank you for the encouragement for that. But man, again, if you know me, man, you know that this is a busted paintbrush. I praise God and I thank God because I know my capabilities are limited. It's all for his glory. Let's bow our heads.